0: This is Finding Joy, the healthcare professional's journey to wellness and resiliency. This podcast is developed by the Interprofessional Opioid Curriculum Team at Washington State University. The goal is to promote wellness among students, faculty, and healthcare professionals during challenging times. Funding is provided by the Health Resources and Services Administration. I'm Doug Nadvornik. Doctors are taught to treat the symptoms of the patients in front of them. But what can they do about the social and environmental factors that sometimes sicken those patients?
1: The way that we teach those things in medical education is mostly acknowledging that they exist, but with very little training or direction. And well, how might you do something about that? Or how might you incorporate that into your work?
0: Those factors were part of Luis Manriquez's thinking as he prepared to become a doctor.
1: I came into medical school from a social justice background, essentially. I had been teaching a popular education or had started a popular education program in New York with with several other people to help uh, students learn about social context done a lot of uh, activism and, and such around the environment, around anti-war work, around uh, corporate globalization. And so I really came into medicine wanting the technical skill and the knowledge uh, and the sort of position of medicine to use towards uh, those social justice ends. So that was always, to me, part of what being a doctor needed to mean. And I did not actually think that that was something that the healthcare system was particularly concerned about and the medical school is particularly concerned about because my mom's a doctor and that was not part of her education and that was not something that was part of her life.
0: Now, Luis Manriquez has that opportunity to change medical education, to help students understand their patients' living conditions, to understand why where they live often contributes to their poor health. On the clinical side, Manriquez treats patients in Spokane as a family physician at the Range Community Clinic. And on the academic side,
1: I work at the WSU-Elson S. Floyd College of Medicine, where I am the Director of Community Health Equity in the Office of Land-Grant Mission and Leadership. The Health Equity Thread is really about understanding the context in which people get sick and the social context in which they are more or less vulnerable. And so that's sort of the health equity thread. And it comes through all of the preclinical curriculum into the, into the clinical curriculum. Doctors have to diagnose, and that's the training that they have, but as a healthcare system, how are we addressing or connecting to the other problems that are driving, sometimes that are the primary problem that, that our patients and community members have. So that's internally is helping students learn about social determinants of health and social determinants of equity. Uh, And then externally uh, is focused on on how is the university um, working to not just be a educational center for health science students, but also to be a partner in addressing some of those issues, which we know affect health. This is one example from my education was like, we had a lecture around the disparity that exists between transplant recipients for kidney donation. Black people are getting a donor kidney at a lower rate than white people, and they're staying on dialysis longer, and they're dying earlier than you know their, their white counterparts. That's a very um, sad thing that exists, and to learn about it is certainly helpful, but what do you do about that? That's the growing edge for medical education, in the same way that you have to not only learn the names of the bones and all the notches on them, but then what do you do about it when it breaks? Right. But what we're doing right now is just sort of naming and understanding the problem with very kind of rudimentary way of moving forward on it. That's because that's an area that medicine in particular, but society in general is struggling with. Addressing the social context is as important or more important than many of the diseases that we're memorizing in medical school. And so then you have to kind of work backwards to, well, then what is the appropriate thing for a physician to know um, as a leader in the healthcare system and as a part of the healthcare system themselves? And so it's not that the doctor has to do everything, but that the doctor has to understand in the same way they understand anatomy, they have to understand systemic racism, right? It's existence, because it exists in the same way that that your thyroid exists. And and then how is it going to impact your patient? How does it create, you know, social disease.
0: Do your students view this as a valid part of their medical school education?
1: I think more students expect this to be part of their education. And I think that's a good thing that they recognize that this matters. It's more in the mainstream as an issue, as an issue of importance. And they expect to get some answers to those questions in medical school, or at least some framework on which to which to build their basis of knowledge. And so I think that's very encouraging.
0: Has COVID been a good tool to help you teach about social disparities and health disparities?
1: It can clarify in very short order how people are um, being affected. And so, you know, one way to think about it um, is that, you know, we're all going through the same storm, but we're not all in the same boats. And so how is it that some people can work from home (laughs) and do this interview and some people have to show up at Fred Meyer? Or, you know, as the post office, like they have to walk their route and, and have that exposure and that risk. How is risk and vulnerability different for different groups? And then what can be done to minimize that vulnerability, right, to, to, to make everyone as safe as possible?
0: So how has the pandemic affected your work, both as a teacher and as a physician?
1: Clearly, it's, it changes the, the work to be done because, you know, COVID's an infectious disease. And then in a lot of ways, it highlights the inequities and makes them real and condenses them down, right? So when you see we all got hit by COVID at the same time, you know, it it started for everyone at the same time. And yet who's gotten sick, who's died, who's been vaccinated, all of those things are different based on who you are, what access you have, what resources you have. And so all of those problems we had before the pandemic came right on into the pandemic too. Some of them got magnified. Some of them I think we've tried to address, but many of them uh, are the same or worse. And it almost gives you like a a very close ability to see it. In terms of medical education, I think it's hard. I think it it would be hard for me to go to school um, essentially online as opposed to uh, with other people trying to work it out in person for many positions and many professions, that it's just difficult to, it's just harder uh, to not have connection with other people. In terms of our community work, in some ways, it has been clarifying and made clear some of the work that we need to do, and and some things it has, you know, derailed, right? And so early in the pandemic, we put together a support program, um, you know, a a community, community monitoring program for people that had covid And, and that was a great way of engaging a bunch of community partners and working together and and having a sense of being able to do something. And then also, you know, now, you know, a lot of people are, are burned out or feeling like they've been working really hard for several years and it doesn't seem to be getting easier in some ways.
0: So the name of this podcast series is Finding Joy. Where do you find joy professionally and in, in the other parts of your life? It's
1: kind of a convoluted answer, but so I'm, I'm less concerned with finding joy or happiness at work and more concerned with what are the needs? What are the problems? What are the things that are happening that shouldn't be happening? And by being able to address those or at least take them on, then I think that is very satisfying. That produces the sense of purpose, the um, sense of satisfaction from accomplishing something that produces that joy, right? So I think through being able to have a sense of uh, control of your ability to act for the betterment of the community, like that produces joy. So that that's driven by one, you know, can you see the problems that are going on? So having relationships in the community, identifying those issues. And then two, do you have the space to act on those, to develop ways to find, you know, the creativity in, in addressing those issues? And then I guess the last piece is like the skills and resources to, to do that. But that kind of follows from the rest, right? So if you have the relationships and you have the ability to work together, to think creatively, to to understand the problem, then you can pursue what we're going to do about it. And that is gratifying and, and satisfying and, you know, meaning making and, and all of that. And then that provides a joy. And I will also just say that, you know, underlying all that is a foundation of, of abundance. I have healthy, brilliant, funny seven-year-old twins my wife is my best friend. We have, you know, some land in deer park. We have a a great house with some land in deer park where we have like animals and all the things that are going on. So it's not like, I don't have real problems. (laughs) So then I can spend my time on the ones in the community. Uh, so, but that, that healthy, uh, private life, that healthy home life makes it possible. If I was, you know, driving my mother to appointments because she had cancer—that would make it much more difficult. You know, to have professional joy in work because it would be just the sorrows and tragedies that just come from being human and being, you know, physically vulnerable, and that will affect all of us in one way or another. Uh, but right now, I have the opportunity, I have the uh, capacity to put that energy outwards because because we're good, you know, internally. Burnout, I think, is something that comes up all the time in medical practice and medical education. You know, one of the things that we know from the literature in terms of addressing burnout is that people who have a, a sense of purpose with their work and feel that their workplace has a sense of mission are less likely to have burnout. And so there's a difference between being tired and working hard and being burned out. And medicine, it kind of always requires uh, enough of you that you're tired and working hard. I, I work just as hard as I did as a student and just as hard as I did as a resident now as an practicing clinician. So the question is not, you know, how to make it easy. The question is how to get the meaning that makes it not being burned out. Right. Like a football player gets tackled on the football field. That's fine. That's part of the game. That's something that happens and they feel good about it. If, if the play was worth it afterwards, how do we do that? The hardness of our job, how does it have enough meaning and purpose that it doesn't burn you out? but that it is like the gratification of doing that thing that, that you worked so hard to get to do, and now you get to do it.
0: So part of your job is to help students find that pathway that they're going to find exactly what you're talking about here, the thing that makes me want to jump out of bed every morning. And how do you counsel students to find that pathway that's going to be right for them?
1: You know, there was a surgeon when I was a student and was considering surgery. And the question, how he answered it was like, think about the most sort of mundane bread and butter part of the job. And how do you feel about that thing? And so he was like, you know, for a surgeon an attorney, prepare for a general surgeon. And like, yeah, I like doing those. So even the boring part, I like doing that. And then everything else on top of that is great. And that's, you know, that's him. He's a surgeon, right? And he loves trauma surgery. He loves, you know, complicated things on top of that. That's an important piece of self-knowledge for students, what produces that, uh, sense of purpose, that sense of satisfaction in your work. And then how does that help drive you? Right. So, you know, when I was a fourth year medical student applying for residencies, mostly students are, are anxious about, well, should I be an ophthalmologist or should I try to be an internist or a surgeon? You know, what's the box that's me. And I think it's more like, what do you want to do? Like what does, uh, Enjoy with your time look like. And so for me, I had started this health equity circle student group. I had been, you know, spending my own money to go to conferences and meet Jack Geiger and other sort of luminaries and health equity. And so I was doing all that, you know, for free or at my own expense. And so that really changed the question to like, not which part of the body do I like the most, but like, what's going to allow me to pursue and develop that capacity. And that's where it was clear to me that uh, primary care was really the the launch point for that. So it was less about, you know, I want to sit in an office five days a week and, and see patient after patient, cause I like talking to people. It was more about, you know, that social mission part. But so if you love being in the operating room, then that's something that you should do. And that's a question you can actually answer pretty quickly, you know, if you've been in the operating room, you know, if you like delivering babies, you can answer pretty quickly, whether like that's something you want to do, or like you couldn't wait to get done with your one month or two week rotation.
0: Luis Manriquez is the Director of Community Health Equity in the Office of Land Grant Mission and Leadership in the WSU Elson S. Floyd College of Medicine. He's also a practicing family physician at the Range Community Clinic in Spokane. We thank him for sharing his perspective. The Interprofessional Opioid Curriculum also wants to thank the following individuals for their contributions to this project. Dr. Barb Richardson, nurse, educator, and interprofessional champion. Cameron Cup, creator of the Finding Joy musical score. He's a medical student in the WSU Elson S. Floyd College of Medicine. Washington State University staff for marketing and communications, financial services, and the collaboration for interprofessional education, research, and scholarship. And Claire Martin Tellis, the executive producer of this podcast project, and student intern Solon Areff. They developed the first five episodes of the Finding Joy podcast. This episode was produced by Doug Nad Vornick from Spokane Public Radio. If you're interested in sharing your perspective about wellness and resiliency as a healthcare professional, or you'd like to reach out to the Interprofessional Opioid Curriculum team, please send an email to Medicine.com dot ipoc at wsu That's medicine dot ipoc at wsu dot edu. We also encourage you to visit the team's website at opioideducation dot forward slash about. That's opioideducation.wsu.edu forward slash about. I'm Doug Nadvornik. Thank you for joining us.